Coach Howard Maybe, ladies and gentlemen. Howard Maybe, welcome to uh, my mom's back porch. Oh, thanks, Tom. It's great being here, buddy. Um, I can't believe we reconnected on Facebook. Yeah. The miracle that is Facebook. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was titillated to get your friend request because you are one of my favorite human beings from uh, when I grew up in Oviedo. Yeah, well, somebody's got to get out of this town somehow. I don't know how you do it. But, it, you know, me too. It's buddy. like a prison break. I left a wax figure of a head and a paper mache body slipped out. Pretty much. Oviedo is a, is a fantastic place to be from. It's a really good town. Well, Oviedo was a great place to grow up. I mean, and it was really kind of, I don't know, uh, you romanticize things when you get older, but uh, it really was like a Mayberry just charming little village. We had one stoplight and a tractor crossing, That's and right. it was a little charming citrus village. There were orange groves everywhere. That's right. Which you, are now housing developments. Well, you remember, this used to be the celery capital of the world. Yeah. And it also, we used to have the townhouse, and before the actual chicken explosion, we never even had a Popeyes. We had Meat World. Do you I, was Meat a, I was a bag boy at Meat World. That's right. I used to... Um, their slogan was, the finest meat you'll ever eat. And that's absolutely true. Meat world. You remember their meat was good? Oh, fantastic. We used to, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to have the fundraisers. And the parking lot. World. That's yeah, right. the parking lot. Everything. The VFW, which my dad belonged to. Uh -huh. They would have fish fries. Every, right. There was always a fundraiser going on in that parking oh, lot. Yeah. Well, do you remember we used to get new uniforms every year on the baseball team? Now, what, what we used to do, the townspeople used to support us fantastically because what we used to do was we would have people like Kelly Four and Wayne Jacobs set up that big barbecue pit. I don't yeah. know if you remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we would have people... They had people, to cut it on the back of a trailer. Absolutely. <laughs> and they made the baked beans and the coleslaw, and they bring that in, and then we'd buy the slabs of meat from Meat World but the barbecue sauce that we would start at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and we would put those out there, and then there was something, because it was cold in the morning, they had Jack or something like that, Jim or someone who would come and visit us. And all day long, we would season those ribs, and just the smell of it all over Oviedo. And then by the end of the day, I can't remember how much we ended up making, but it was enough to buy new uniforms for every kid. And it was fantastic. Of course, everybody went home happy, you know, and we sold a lot of meat, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> we always had good uniforms. Oh, yeah. Except that one year that, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were on the Little League field, now this, I think, was a little bit before your time. We bought, we bought uniforms that were short-waisted. They were the orange stripe uniforms with a black waistband, and we had a catcher by the name of Danny Massey. And they were short-waisted, and as a catcher, he bent over a lot, you know, for the catching stance. Right. And so he had this problem that, you know, being a kind of a farm town, used to show a little crack. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we had him. We tried him the first day of practice, and uh, had the pants on, and we noticed that, and my wife Seuss was behind the backstop. So that night she took those pants home and added about six inches of black to kind of add to the waistband. Wow. After that, he was able to bend down comfortably. <laughs> so it didn't have a problem. 
<laughs> I saw some commercial the other night where they were selling T-shirts that are three inches longer, and it was it was it was to cover plumber's crack, is what they were <laughs> yeah, that's calling it. Close, so maybe yeah. you just needed longer jerseys. <laughs> uh, close. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Oviedo, the charming little village that uh-huh. it was, um, I remember all of life centered and revolved around the little league field. Oh yes. And every year they had the the, the I don't I don't know if they still do it, but they did the little league parade. Correct. And all these redneck coaches all drove pickup trucks. Uh, so yeah. like the whole all the little kids would just get in the back of the pickup truck and then the, the trucks would drive like 15 miles an hour through the town mm-hmm. and uh, that Honking was the horn. that was the big event of the year, the little league parade. And of course the the police and the fire trucks have to lead it used to have to lead it through here and and we had to be sure that the traffic light you know didn't bother us when it changed you know because we didn't want that to have a problem so we had to have security all the way through you know so that that kind of was neat and that was a big big day in Oviedo yeah because our program at the high school came out of that little league program and that was most important because one of the things that I that I had to do when I moved here was because it was so closely associated to the high school, uh, the town was revolving around the high school. Everybody from the area went to the high school and we just associated all the athletics. So we knew all the parents and, and they knew what were our expectations were. So I had to go down and work and a lot of the kids that I coached ended up becoming coaches for the Little League. And that really made my job so much easier because those kids evolved. And what I was teaching down at the Little League program was being retaught to younger kids. So it made my job a lot easier. You were through. a great coach and a great human being. We're going to cover that. Um, appreciate it. My dad forever, you know, I've lived in all these different cities. Mm-hmm. My dad used to get me a subscription to the Oviedo Outlook, which I think is oh, now... Yeah. Uh, or no, it was the Oviedo Voice. Oviedo Voice. Uh, now mm-hmm. I think it's Seminole Outlook or something. But, yeah. um, you know, it was only three, four pages to flip through it. But the Neelys owned that. The, oh, really? The, yeah. The Neelys, who were they? The Neelys uh, owned that. Donna Neely actually worked at uh, the high school. I remember for that For a name. while. Yeah, uh-huh. Mrs. Neely. She worked there and... Uh, Jimmy Webster started. Jim that. Webster, who's uh, still one of my best friends. Yeah. Jim uh, lives. He was a sports writer for years, and Correct. he wrote for the Oviedo newspaper and the Oviedo Voice. He now is the food critic for the Washington Post. Correct. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. I do. He actually, uh, I talked him into actually writing articles for the Voice for the baseball team. Wow. He came to me uh, one time and he uh, said, "You know." coach I'd, I've done a little bit of writing I said well Jim I'll tell you if you'd like to I'd like to work have you work for uh, Mrs. Neely to get some of our articles for the baseball team into her paper and she said and he said would you mind uh, if I ask if I could be employed I said no I'll, I'll give you all the scoops that you want great and from that point on you know he just started there and then he got picked up and it was fantastic because he just really developed. You know, he got into his own thing. Well, you know, Jim is the reason I graduated high school. I yeah. um, I had summer school, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. 
several years Not in you, a row. Not you, Tom. Yeah. And, no. uh, there was, I wouldn't, I, I didn't want to get out of bed and he would drive me to summer school. Mm. So he would, you know, Florida, we slept with the windows open and the screens. Correct. And he would come to my window and say, you got to get out of bed. You come on, you got, you come on, you got to get up. And I'm like, no, go on without me. And it's great the way I wanted to be a comedian. He wanted to be a, a newspaper man, yeah. a writer. Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's great. The course of his career yeah. that he's going on. Oh, I, I've been so impressed with you guys, to be honest. You know, it's not, um, it's not really about whether you're, whether you're outstanding, you know, in everything that you do in your fields. It's, it's what you are as people. That's been, uh, you know, that's really been what it's all about. And to hook up with you guys again to see what you've done. That's what uh, makes you, your whole career worthwhile. Yeah. Well, you know, the uh, let me say the one thing I wanted to say about the Oviedo voice. Mm-hmm. It was a thin paper with only three or four pages. And the best part about it was the police blotter, where they would say <laughs> the arrests of, of that week. <laughs> and there was a story in there. And I was living in New York City somewhere at the time. And it was cute that I was getting the, the little hometown newspaper uh, that took three minutes to read. And there was a story of some father who was arrested at the Oviedo Little League. And he was drunk, and he was in the stands, and every time his son would come up to bat, he would yell, Make them fear you! <laughs> Make them fear you! So I've always, I've always wanted to like write a movie about that guy. <laughs> like, just the out-of-control... Yeah. Father. Yeah. Oh, there, there was no need for any of that around this town. Because, you know, the rest of them, you don't have to worry about fear. Not in Oviedo. Because those people probably string you up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what about the stereotype of Little League parents being complete lunatics and out of their mind now? Well, I, I would have to tell you, maybe that was the influx of the new people. Okay. Yeah, because we had a sleepy little village when we were there. Well, like and, 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 and um, the Oviedo varsity baseball team, mm-hmm. which you coached for how many years? Uh, actually, 16 total, total years. Unbelievable. Um, that's quite an accomplishment, but we played at the little league field and you were just making the field behind the high school. Correct. So not only did we have to practice also all the time, um, you had kind of devoted, um, kind of some slave labor hours to us removing rocks from the outfield and stuff. We did a great job. Remember that dump? We did. We made that field. Remember that dump? (laughs) Yeah. Actually, uh, if you remember, we... We actually told, I had to plead with the principal, Charlie Webb at the time, Mr. Webb, to uh, give us that land at no cost to the county. We would actually build that field on donations from people in this town. And the people in this town gave us everything from surveying to labor to actual materials to build that field back there. So it cost the county and Oviedo High School absolutely zero. And we built that entire complex back there just through what the people in the town gave us. Sounds like a generous little town. Oh, it was fantastic. The people of this town are, I I at times feel bad that I even left it, you know, 
There was an old coach who won a state basketball championship here by the name of Paul Mickler that they named the field that we built back thereafter. Oh, it's not Howard oh, Navy no, 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 no. baseball no. complex? No. That, what did Mickler ever do? He won a state basketball championship. That Shouldn't the basketball arena be called? Why is the baseball field called? After a guy that won a basketball uh, I guess because my name's a question mark. That's what? a maybe. You got the... Uh... <laughs> I can't believe I'm a comedian and I never put that together. Well, you went down the wrong roads. <laughs> wow. So you got the asterisk next to your name? Yeah. No, they didn't even put that there. Uh, to be honest with you, the, I mean, the whole thing was... We're going to turn this around. They coach. just wanted to honor it. That's all. That's the whole thing is just wanted to honor him and... Uh, by given an entirely different sport. Yeah, but his name. You know, he was he was a great coach too in the fifties, and he won the state basketball championship. So they wanted to honor him before he passed away, and and that uh, was when Oviedo High School was at what is now Lawton Elementary School, right? Yeah, that's that's when he won a state championship, um, but he he was well deserving of recognition and honor, and uh, I guess they didn't. Named the the basketball the uh, basketball gym after him because uh, they named the gym after else. a tennis player. Yeah, something like that, or <laughs> ping pong players. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they did, but uh, they did put me in the Hall of Fame for some reason. I guess they didn't have anybody else to fill it. What there's an Oviedo uh, Hall of Fame, sports Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is you it know, sports or just in general? It's sports. They had a sports Hall of Fame. So they just kind of threw, you know, that fortunately I was blessed to be in that, and I felt very honored. But um, they um, they named the field after Coach Mickler. Hey, John. Yeah. Are we allowed to say hey? How are you? You got any? Hey, hey, Coach, Coach, Coach Baby. Good to see you. A long time no see. Yeah. Hey, handsome. Got any? Uh, I'm the granddaughter. It's Sophia. my granddaughter, Sophia. Wow. Okay. You, got I, we, you, you got any questions, or should I stop it? Oh, you got Coach over here, bro. This is fantastic. I'm only saying four minutes. Good to talk to you people. Okay, let's start throwing out some questions then. Okay, <laughs> when did you leave Oviedo? I actually left in 1988. No kidding. Yeah. So that was when the school was being rebuilt. Yeah. So they're making this big, new, beautiful school, and you thought, that's time to get out of here. I Well, what I figured was that it's lost its personality. Honest it's to goodness. When, it's when Oviedo got more than one stoplight. Yeah. Right? They actually Bull put crap, that second one in down there. You know that second one down yeah. there? That's what killed the town? Oh. That and the and the UCF people started moving out west. Yeah. Or the east side. On the east side. Well, when, you know, when they built that... Siemens, uh, they built too. Remember Siemens? Yeah. When the toll road came out, then uh, it kind of went from a small, charming town to a highway exit. Then we got the yeah. Target and the Chili's. Yeah. And all that glut of suburban American. What about when Lonnie Anderson moved in? That's ridiculous. Yeah, the mall, the Oviedo Mall was that, where the Judas lived. The town Lonnie Anderson. Remember the Duda family? Kurt Reynolds started hanging around. Been out there a lot. <laughs> Been out there a lot. The Duda family gave us a sod. And the yeah. backstop for the baseball They field. used to have Christmas parties every year. I was yeah. I was good friends with Valerie and Donna. Yeah. They were they were wonderful people. Oh, super people. In oh, fact, Sammy's out in California still. He's out in California. He went to Mississippi State. Sammy Dudas? Yeah. And Daryl's someplace down in Bell Glades, I think. Yeah. They're down there now. Yeah. 
They're just kids. they're just super people. Yeah, they're nice people. They are great. They brought drove nicer cars than us, so we were jealous. Hey. No, they were good people, man. Valerie yeah. was a she was I, a dish. I felt Lisa good to drive a my, Nissan. Lisa was in my class. Yeah, Lisa. Lisa's a good good girl. Yeah, nice girl, but she you know, she was quiet. So Daryl, Daryl was there. He Darryl was a good kid, good kid. But that the Duda family was very generous. The Duda family is very generous to us. <laughs> they were they were always there. In fact, we went to a lot of. Sue's had a few uh, beverages during the summer with Ed, and Sadie. On the trips down to watch us play when we went to the World Series in Fort Lauderdale. So that was the parents, the summer parents. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were good people. Great and Oviedo. Hi, coach. Good see John, you. John, great see you. Good see you. Nice see, to meet you. If you'd have Glad played baseball instead of football, you'd have known this man. Yeah. Oh, I, I, gave I up knew him from the hallway. Football. Yeah, yeah. Football. That was my thing. So. I gave up football coaching in '76 after after Lenny Lenny left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had Montgomery. Oh, JoJo. Bad, bad, bad. Hey, sorry, Joe, if you're listening, you bitch. <laughs> All right. Love you, Johnny. Take care, John. Great seeing you, buddy. That's great. But, but it was but that, So town. you really, so, so that's interesting. So when they were making this big, beautiful new high school and the town started to grow, you thought it had lost some of its charm. Well, what I did was, what, no, no, not really. Uh, what happened was I, I ended up um, coaching on a college level and I, and I had had those great experiences through my summer ball, where I was coaching the 18-year-old kids and college-level kids a lot more, and I, I really loved it. I didn't, and I had a couple of bad experiences with um, an influx of parents that weren't true Ovidians. You know what I'm saying? The Ovidians at that time. So, like were some uh, outside ir- people, some irritating New Yorkers moved in. A couple of people, maybe, <laughs> maybe not New Yorkers, but people in the area that didn't understand the tradition that we had here. You know what I'm saying? It lost its um, hometown flavor, mm. and it and they would question me, like what, like about the pitching how I handled their, and... how I handled their son, oh. to require him to give what he could everything that he was possibly capable of giving as a person. And they thought that I actually got people drafted. Oh, and so if it didn't contacts. happen, you were the reason why I was the reason Junior's not advancing to Major League. Somebody didn't get drafted in the first round. And so they could not take the honesty that their kid didn't have the actual talent. Hmm. And I had to be honest about the years that I had spent understanding what talent it took. And you didn't have to have talent, you know, honestly, to be a good person and to be the best person you could be. More people are successful not because they played, you know, Major League Baseball, but because they were they learned lessons on how to be good people. That's what a program's about. It's not about being a professional athlete. It's about what you learn along the way. I don't understand it, you know. The doctor says it's stress. Imagine that. Hair falling out from stress. Maybe you're in the wrong line of work. Yeah, maybe. The doctor says to me, you should stay out of pressure situations. 
<laughs> you got me on these relaxing pills. Oh, fuck doctors. Excuse me. Coffee. Nice. See? See how I'm taking care of myself? Yeah. What are you up to now? Five packs a day? Can't be too good for you. No, probably not. You know, when I first come up, I was under so much pressure from Casey and everybody telling me I was going to be the next Joe DiMaggio. And uh, they gave me number six, right? Ruth was three, Gary was four, DiMaggio's five, and me, number six. I hated that. Being in line with the other guys. And oppressed, man, they was all over me. Call me a hillbilly. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know. I get to New York, I got a $7 suitcase and $8 suit. And my whole town's got 2,000 people in it. Yankee Stadium's got 40 times that. I'm 18 years old and everybody's expecting me to hit a home run every time I get up to the plate. That was killing me. Couldn't hit the ball. So Casey sent me back down to the minors. And uh, I couldn't hit there neither. Finally, I called up my dad, told him I'm, I'm quitting. Can't do it no more. No. He said, where you at? I told him, he come on down to Kansas City is where I was, and throws all my shit in a suitcase and says, okay, let's go. You can come back to work the mines with me the rest of your life. I started crying. He just let me have it, boy. He told me, you know, you being such a baby, you know, I thought I raised a man. You ain't nothing but a coward. Be a man, he says. The truth was, I was lonesome. Scared. Anyway, I started hitting again after that. And I uh, came back up and they gave me number seven. I was glad about it. I hated that number six. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't realize that. You know, I was very fortunate when I coached up at uh, assistant and helped at Seminole. And I met kids like Bobby Thigpen, who was in the Hall of Fame, you know, and Tim Raines and uh, The Rock. You know, Ducey, who's now coaching with the Yankees. And now I've, uh, after I left Valencia and I went back to be an assistant at Seminole uh, while I was teaching at Winter Springs. I have three kids right now. They're playing in the major leagues I was able to work with. You know? Um, Who's that? Gordon. D. Gordon. You know, a Flash Gordon son who just uh, led the majors at with the Dodgers for in stolen bases. He went to Oviedo? No. Or no, he went, no, he went to Seminole. Okay. And I was there, fortunately, while well, he was there and had a great time with a kid. And... Uh, you know, just enjoyed him. Super personality. Brett Oberholzer, who was a left-handed pitcher for the Astros. He went to Seminole. I, I was there during the time he was there. And then another kid by the name of Jonathan Lucroy, who's a starting catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, because I coached his dad back in the 80s. And he's from Umatilla. So he would bring me his kid from Umatilla. And from the time he was 10 years old to the time he was 18, you know, I was fortunate enough just to be able to work with a kid. He would ask me questions. I was able to help him. It's like Merchant. When, you know, when Mark Merchant was here, you know, he, he was number two in the entire nation in 1987. 
Yeah, out of uh, so I played with Mark was, I graduated in 85, so mm -hmm. I guess he, I was two years older than him. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was a phenomenal player. We had great players oh, yeah. on the team. So who, from Oviedo, you're 16 years at Oviedo, who went the, the highest? Was it Mark? Mark, 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 number two in the nation. So where did he, what did he, uh, was it the Cubs? No, he actually went to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. He went number two. That was, a, you know, it was... It was nice, but it was also hard because they would call me at 3 o'clock in the morning wanting to know what time we were practicing. They called me from California at 3 in the morning wanting to know where we were going to practice. And you know, Who I, did? The Pirates? Yeah. Why are they calling you? Wanting to know where we are going to practice. They wanted to know everything. Where we were at, what time we were playing, all that jazz. I said, I have a schedule. Just come call the school. Don't call me. Yeah. All you got to do is call the school. And so they would want to know what's going to happen. Is Mark doing this? Mark doing that? I benched him the first game. What? And there were 40 scouts in the stands <laughs> up in DeLand. Really? Sure. I mean, because he was sitting. Uh, here's a story, Tom. Okay. Here's my philosophy. <laughs> so all these, all these scouts came to see Mark and you benched him. Well, after a couple of innings, after a couple of bats, because okay. he struck out twice. You don't okay. tried. Yeah, okay. You know me. You play the game for fun. You yeah. knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why did I keep you on a team? Because yeah. you're funny. Yeah. Right? I'm glad, so glad you said that. You kept the team loose. <laughs> you did. Tom, okay. Sophia, I'm so glad you remember that. This guy. So Tom, great. I'll, I'll tell you. We would, we'd be in a heavy season, right? We'd be working and having... I, I used to put them through paces. I, I work them hard. So, I, you know, we'd go through drills and drills and drills. And Tom would get bored every now and then. And Tom would be loose. He'd be like loose, right? He may he'd pull a prank on somebody. I go, Rose, take a lap. Right? Do you remember that? Of course. Do you remember but that? I wanted to ask you, and I've always asked every coach this: the psychology of that. What did you think when I after I took a lap, I came back, I'd be a different person? No, no. What I thought every was, coach says, what I thought was it'd be a break. It would just be a break for the other guys, and I thought it would just loosen them up a little bit. I, I really it. thought it would loosen them up. Oh, I loved it. And I, I thought it was really and great. And I always ran the laps uh, at full pace. I never and like, the I thing never, was, never you got, you got a great shape. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to give you the award for probably <clears throat> best fit kid of the year. The number of laps you had to run. And it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> it I loved good. being out there. No, he was, he was really great. Baseball is my fun. favorite sport. And uh, I'll never forget when I made the team, you were, and and that's that's what you you said when you were picking the, the people for the, the final team, you said mm -hmm. uh, you're not the best player on the team, but you're funny and you're good to have around. That's right. I, I enjoyed it. Which, you know, and that goes a long way in comedy, too. I've told a lot of young comedians through the years. A lot of it is, you know, it uh, doesn't matter how great you are. If people don't like you as a person, they That's won't want you around. Absolutely. So don't be some gloomy, negative turd, you Absolutely. know? One of the great... Uh, exercises, drills thing that you did. You had everybody do different, uh, you would, the cycle during batting practice, everybody would play a different position. Right. So I played it outfield. So I never, uh, like the, the infield positions, you know, weren't my strength or anything. So, but it's the nail biting period, right? When I, and I, you know, there were so many great players on that team where, and I loved baseball. I wanted to make this team more than anything. Uh, but I knew it was, it was close. And the day that you chose, I don't know, maybe you had already chosen me to be on the team, but I was in the second base position and somebody hit some blistering shot. 
and I dove and somehow miraculously, I mean, it was a one, it was a one hop. It wasn't yeah. a, a straight shot off the bat, mm -hmm. but I mean, it was a blistering shot and somehow magically this ball ended up in my glove and it was just, you know, I had dove for it. It looked heroic and then, you know, throw it to first easily. Um, and then you said that thing at the end of the practice when you chose the people, one of the, you know, happiest moments of my life was making the Oviedo varsity team. Well, it's effort is, is very important. You never get someplace if you don't put in effort. Yeah, but you, like you said, you always, always taught fun, too. You wanted sure. everybody to uh, to enjoy the game of baseball. Well, and and it's as, like as Mickey Mantle said, if you can't have fun playing baseball, something's wrong with you. That's right. How's the arm? Mm. You ought to go in early tomorrow. Let Gus have a look at it. No, I'm all right. I'll be fine. Shit, Mickey. Only four games up on Detroit. You gotta take care of yourself. All right, already. If I need a caretaker, I'll move in with my mother. I know there's a lot of bullshit about this record. I, I don't care about this stupid record, Mickey. And shove it up their ass for all I care. Oh, come on. Give me a break. Why can't you just admit you want it too? Oh, shit, man. Come on. Christ. Have fun with it. Can't have a good time playing baseball, man. Something wrong with you. Yeah, well, shit, that's easy for you to say, isn't it, Mick? Oh, come on. I'm feeling so sorry for yourself, huh? I mean, hey, man, I know it's been rough on you, all that stuff. But you ain't exactly helping it too much. I mean, I told you how to handle him, guys. You don't want to listen. You told me, yeah, you told me a lot of stuff about a lot of different things, and then you just go out and do whatever the hell you want, and nobody says shit about it to you. Hey, don't get on my case just because everybody else is on yours. It's not my problem. Right, it's my problem. My problem! You, you just go out and do whatever the hell you want! Mick, you ever just stop and think? If you took better care of yourself, you wouldn't be getting hurt all the time? Did you see what you did out there today with only one arm? And uh, tonight you're out screwing around? I mean, how can you do that? You're Mickey Mantle, for Christ's sake! What's that supposed to mean, huh? What the fuck's that supposed to mean? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're the one that doesn't want it. You think you know something about me? You don't know shit about me. Yeah? Fine. My dad died when he was 39. Hodgkins. My grandfather, my uncle, same thing. None of them made it past the age of 45, all right? So I'm going to live my life the way I want. Why don't you get off my back? Go call your wife. Go cry to her about it. That's why they call the game G-A-M-E. <laughs> yeah, that's all the whole thing is that, unfortunately, people make it an all-or-nothing thing. Yeah. And, you know... Okay, everybody says, okay, winning's the only thing. Well, the question is what your definition of winning is. Is your winning to always be number one, you know, because of your record? Well, I, I was able to win more games, at least two, two games for every one I lost in my entire career, and more sometimes. I mean, I had, I had a year where we were 53 and 6. Wow. That was unbelievable. What year was that? Uh, 1984 or 85 or something like that. No, okay. it was 86. It was 86. Oh, the year after I left. It was 53 and 6. So that was Mark yeah, Merchant. Yeah, see, you left. That was Mark Merchant. See, you left, Tyler. We ended up <laughs> 53 and 6. Look at that. You're welcome. Dang, thank You're you. You're very sir. welcome. I'm glad you let know. <laughs> no, I'm sorry you left.
actually, but we were 53 and 6, but it had nothing to do with that. The whole thing was you don't know what the record is and you don't care what the record is. But the whole thing is that you you compete and you go out there and you give it your best. If you win, you win because you've done everything you could and you, you've given it your best. If you lose, that means on that day you weren't as good as the other team you're playing against. But if you walk off the field and you enjoy giving that effort and you've enjoyed knowing that you've tried your best, you can't ask anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, it was the same way when I taught. If I did not enjoy going into that classroom every day, I wouldn't have done it for 44 years. That's well, the whole key. And I, I want to cover your, your, your teaching aspect, but um, so many parables and things from baseball, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like, it can be used in life and metaphors, yeah. you know, but I always say, uh, I'll tell comedian friends of mine, a lot of comedians will beat themselves up. You have a bad set, and I did it for years too. You see young guys do it, and you have a bad show, and the audience sucks, or people are drunk, and you get heckled, and people like really take that personal, sure, and they feel bad. And the 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 metaphor that you know there's 150 games in the season, and you can't win all of them. Right. The other remarkable thing about baseball is people who hit three 300 batting average people are considered the best in the game. Mm-hmm. And in order to hit 300, that means you only did good three out of ten times. You failed seven a, times. You failed seven times to be considered one of the best, only in baseball. So what do you concentrate on? Do you concentrate on your seven failures or your three successes? <laughs> Which one do you like? Yeah. Which way do you like to hang? Well, and I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to see you. But uh, I don't know if you know this or not. I have quoted you for my entire life. Uh oh. Something that you said. I think one of the most wisest things, and I've, 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 I've carried it my whole life. You should never be trying to hit a home run. Oh, absolutely not. You should. Uh, uh, a home run should be the accident of oh, a line drive. drive. Absolutely right. You should always be trying to get solid wood on the ball. Correct. That is the greatest. Yeah. Advice in the world. Yep. And that's absolute truth. I mean, the person that's trying to hit the home run strikes out. Because your odds of hitting a home run are one point in an entire swing of a loop. But if you're trying to hit a line drive, you increase your odds because the plane increases at a wide dimension. In other words, it's such a, a wide angle trying to hit a line drive that you increase your odds almost 70 to 80 fold. So now what that actually means is you have a greater impact area. So if you're going out there to be successful, you want to increase your odds. So why not make it the most successful chance in your entire life? Know that? Mm-hmm. So home runs aren't always going to be there. But each step you take toward that home run is much, much better. What other uh, coaching gems have you um, laid on the, the players through the years? Well, I'll tell you what. I was very, very blessed to have a coach in high school by the name of Rudy Tusi, who uh, probably saved my life. 
Where we? Where did you go to high school? I went to North Syracuse Central. And Rudy Tusi, um, I had a very tough upbringing. It was very, very difficult. I had three older brothers, and uh, father didn't care much about sports. And um, sports was actually my way of getting out. Okay? Rudy Tusi carried me. And he was a he was an inventor in the game. So I could sit and talk with him. Inventor in what way? He he invented a lot of things like a pop up machine for a catcher. Um, he invented um, batting helmets made out of fiberglass. He had this creation. Uh, he invented uh, quite a few things, like even a throw guard for the catchers. So he would, he, would, uh, he would really be doing a lot of thinking, and he actually got me involved a lot into baseball. So I even spoke nationally in 1980 at a national convention because of my involvement in the ABCA um, through, um, through him. I got to speak with Reggie Jackson and Mike Schmidt out in Dallas, Texas. And it was it was very a very interesting time period for me, and uh, I learned an awful lot. And so he would uh, he taught uh, what are called two sisms. Two sisms were the concept of me learning an awful lot. Okay, so two sisms became a developmental program for me, and they actually made me think a lot about the game. So when it came to direct application, that was it, Tom. Direct application of what life was. And that home run accident of a line drive, I can't take credit for because he taught me that. He's the guy that said that. Yep. Wow. That was it. So basically... Uh, well, thanks, Rudy. He was, correct. he was a great man. He died in an operation... But all great teachers and coaches pass the... It's That's like a it's samurai about. code. So when you pass something on to somebody else, they learn that and they pass it too. And that's what it's about. The effect that I had, he had on me, I give to you. You give to somebody else, and it helps. So that's his legacy. That's my legacy. That's your legacy. And that's what it's about. That's great. What is the greatest advice you uh, have ever been given for baseball or as a coach or player? Enjoy the game. Never give up. What is the greatest advice you've ever been given as a teacher? Enjoy what you do. Enjoy your kids. But you were also, uh, you taught science. Oh, yeah. What, so what you didn't take, like, a, you didn't teach a, a cream puff. Uh, you know, some of those coaches are just, you know, sit on oh. PE. <laughs> uh, who was the guy with the metal plate in his head? We won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, coach. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Was it your love of Gary Carter in the early 80s that made you get the perm? No, actually it was my wife. <laughs> my wife and I looked like brothers and sisters, so we actually went to the same salon together. Really? Oh, yeah. The girls got to know me very well. Of course, on the mustache, by the way, I only had the fro for two years. And those were the two years that uh, I was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know the fro is the picture in the Hall of Fame in Oviedo. Is it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the only two years I had the fro. And they well, took the, 
they took that picture and put it in the Hall of Fame. Considering how many hair mistakes I've made in my life, I, I, <laughs> I can't fault you. But it, it was kind of cool. I mean, you know, I guess they thought I was, I was wearing the bell-bottom uh, polyester, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the sight of you with a fungi bat, you, uh, you were really great. I, I, I loved the way uh, you were really, you were really great. You could hit the balls to everybody precisely. <laughs> well, it took a lot of years to practice that, believe me. But it was it was a lot of fun. I I actually I love being out there, and I love the kids I had. I I actually graduated college up in New York with a dual major, so teaching anatomy and physiology was was a joy, was, was a blessing for me. You know, and I probably had as many kids graduate um, and become doctors and and nurses and dentists and. Uh, you know, my orthodontist. Meds. Orthodontist, yep. I had her orthodontist was one of my students. So, you know, I, I feel very blessed in that. And then uh, to be a forerunner and writing a lot of curriculum for Seminole County in science, that was kind of cool for me, too. But then I took that and I just, I could go out there and I, if I had a bad day teaching, I could hit the fungos harder at the kids. <laughs> you know, that was fun. You know, or... You know how you were in the outfield, and sometimes I said, "Make sure you can run this down." And I hit a little further, so you could never get it. <laughs> that was a lot of fun too, just seeing you run. So you know, those are those are good days. Yeah, that's a good fun. When you struggle, you make others struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always do. But that, yeah, but that's I always just love being out there. What uh, What are your best memories from coaching and teaching and? Uh, what uh, what great knowledge nuggets have you gained from it? Oh my gosh, there's so many times. Uh, just the what did you learn about humanity being a teacher of science for so Everybody's many? different. Yeah. You don't handle anybody the same way. Um, everybody has their own pace. Everybody has their own niche. Uh, just just reach people differently. Always try to um, find out what each person can do. And if you don't reach them one way, try to reach them another. Yeah, you're As a really comedian, <laughs> if your joke doesn't go over the first time, how do you handle it? You don't quit it. You no, it yeah, you, yeah, you think about it. You retool it. Yeah. And you got to keep, you got to keep, uh, you don't know if it's funny until you bring it on stage. Right. So you keep trying it, and if it just doesn't keep working, then you, you know, right. you eventually let it go. But it's, uh, it's the it's the making a sword on an anvil, you know, yep. getting it hot and banging it out, <laughs> and you put it back in the water. It's it's an arduous process. Oh yeah. But you know, you know, important teachers are so valuable in people's lives. You know, you were a major. Uh, influence on me becoming who I am uh, that was Mr. Martin was the the, the drama okay. speech yep. guy there was so many because I had such a reputation for being the um, the the smart ass comedian some teachers would punish me uh, mm -hmm. before the class even started like the the year would start and they'd make me sit in the front Mr. Martin gave me the first five minutes of every class to tell Let jokes on the stage <laughs> And then I would be completely quiet because he let me do my thing. And I, um, 
I should say, Oviedo was such a charming small town, and it was such a small high school, yeah. and everybody knew I wanted to be a comedian. So uh, I got asked to host the, the pep rallies, uh, and the very first time I ever told jokes to a crowd was on the football field at Oviedo High School for a, a pep rally. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got to do all the talent shows and to be the host. And then I got to do the morning and afternoon announcements my senior year. Like, so this little redneck school and everyone in the Orlando area, like, used to make fun of people from Oviedo for being the rednecks. And it was pretty hickish out yeah. there. But uh, it, it was amazing for me that I got to do all of these, you know, things because everybody knew I wanted to be a comedian. Yeah, well, Oviedo offered it a lot. There's tons of things in Oviedo. I mean, even that one year that the seniors brought the possums in for the uh, freshmen <laughs> and put them in a locker in the commons just for a treat. And then that time that we played Chris Collingsworth uh, in football and uh, one of our players jumped off sides in the final 30 seconds when we were ahead 7-6 to six, and then they got to retry the field goal and we lost 9-7. Nine to, nine to seven. Wow. Uh, Chris, and Chris, they were Chris Collins was one to what? State. Titusville. Yeah, Titusville astronaut. Yeah. I was coaching that year. I remember that when Bill Klein, the head coach. Oh, you were coaching football then? Oh, yeah. Wow. That was, uh, that was the last year I coached, thank God. <laughs> and I said, I love baseball. <laughs> but, uh, no, Oviedo, Oviedo offered so much to so many people. And I think, you know, you were able to develop, and, and that was the whole thing, is people could see the differences in people. And we were such a tight-knit faculty. And we, we would discuss kids as a group because it was such a small-knit group, you know, and the, and the faculty was so tight. And I think that was the thing when, uh, when it expanded a little bit, they lost. It's like, you know, I go back and sub now, and it's like, I still have teachers I taught there. And Coach Williams is still there, who was one of my senior interns. And, and another senior intern who went down to the county office is still in the county. And, you know, things like that. People I have taught are still around. And and it's like, wow. And they're the old people now. Yeah, they're old. <laughs> they are. They're old people. I'm going to say, how did you get so old? What's wrong with you? You know? And then I got, and then I got grandkids of kids I taught. You know? And I'm going, what? how in the world do I have grandkids of kids I taught? I'm only 39. What's wrong with them? You know, I don't understand this. But it's like, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be as old as you feel. Yeah. Crying out loud. And uh, it's like, when you lose it, hang it up. Get out of there. You know, that's about what it's about. Man, you must be old then. I used to be. I gave it up. You know, <laughs> it's like somebody told me, okay, the problem, the problem with getting old is that you forget things. You know, and the only thing is... I just can't remember what's the first thing to go, if that's the second, <laughs> you know. So nobody knows what it's about, but I loved Oviedo. I always did. The only reason I ever moved to Ocoee was because the... I, it was still I, a redneck town, and you wanted to hold on to a small little redneck town? I, I loved it. I tried to yeah. hold on for years. Was it, was it comparable to Oviedo? Oh, no. I moved over there because I commuted seven years to the West Campus at Valencia. Do you remember when the rockets first were going off here out at out at Cape Canaveral? Oh yeah, well, I was I, I was going to high school. We would get well, they would let our what? school out on the lawn. We would go on, on our roof 
in Oviedo and see over here. Yeah. And we lived in uh, Garden Grove. We'd go up on our roof, and we would feel the vibration, the tremors. Yeah, we. I grew up in Mead Manor, right next to right. Garden Grove. Absolutely. And the, the, the greatest, what, it's 30, Oviedo's 32 miles from Cape Canaveral. The, one of the greatest things about growing up in Oviedo was you could see the space shuttle. Absolutely. The rockets going up. Absolutely. And I just love that. I mean, I, I love that. And then you go down to, uh, what is it, Lake Charm, and watch a reflection of it yeah. going up there, or a night launch or something. And it was, like, absolutely great. So I, I commuted seven years. It took me seven years working over there. And then all of a sudden I said, you know, this is, it's like stupid. I wasted all this gas. Because Seuss was still teaching at Oviedo. She transferred from Lyman to come over here. And she worked there for 15 years at Oviedo. And then we went over there. And so we moved over there. And then they cut the program. Mm. So then... At I, Valencia, when you were yeah, coaching at Valencia. And then I went to Edgewater. And then I came back to Winter Springs. So now I'm I'm commuting from Ocoee to Winter Springs. <laughs> well, what was your... Other than baseball, what was your uh, favorite thing about Oviedo? People. I love the closeness of it. And, you know, I still had a lot of friends here. What are your favorite uh, baseball quotes? Mm, Yogi Berra quotes. You know, uh, you're going to be right 50% of the time and the other... Or you're going to be right 90% of the time and the other 50%... The other 50% of the time, uh, you're going to still be right. And then uh, 90% of the game is going to be... uh, Physical and the other fifty uh, percent is going to be mental. You know stuff. Like That's that. good. He's really he's on track. Yeah. You know Yogi is just <laughs> really with it all. And if you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> you know. So just things like that, just illogical stuff that uh, don't mean anything in life. I like Pee Wee Reese said. Um, uh, when Jackie Robinson played, there was uh, assassination attempts because he was going to be the first black player in the major leagues. And he said, uh, we'll all wear number 42, and then they won't tell us apart. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh, no, but I love yeah. it. I do love it. You're right, Tam. I love that one. We'll all wear number 42 because Jackie Reese was yeah, black. I, I, Everybody I, else I was white. Yeah. First guy. Like, I, I love going to baseball stadiums. Uh, I love Wrigley Field. Uh, I, I always should get booked in Chicago in September because mm. the Cubs are out of it. You can have the whole stadium to yourself. Uh, John Dillinger, when he was public enemy number one, <laughs> used to attend Wrigley games all the time. Really? But, you know, back then there was no facial recognition technology. Everybody wore black suits and black oh, yeah. hats. You could yeah. blend in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went all the way. I did gigs for the Marines in Okinawa, Japan. And I went, I flew to Osaka to see the Hanshin Tigers play the Tokyo Giants. And um, I had had read a story about the Hanshin Tigers have the oldest stadium in the Japanese leagues. Wow. It's built in 1936. Babe Ruth played there on an exhibition tour uh, before World War II. Yeah. And the Japanese used to yell, to hell with Babe Ruth when they would kamikaze or they'd come over the hill to bayonet americans that was their war cry was to hell with babe ruth in world war ii um but 
during that exhibition tour, one of the American players took pictures uh, on their exhibition games of the cities, and apparently uh, the United States used those uh, pictures for, uh, you know, when we bombed Tokyo and everything. So many great stories surrounding that exhibition tour, but um, the Hanshin Tigers have a curse, like the Cubs. They, uh, in 1985, they won the, the Japanese championship, and the, the fans were throwing effigies of each player into the river. And this is 1985, the year I graduated high school, and when I was playing baseball with you. They had an American journeyman pitcher on the team, Bill Lee, who had a beard. Oh my gosh. That's where he ended his career yeah. in Japan. So they didn't have an effigy for Bill Lee. So some people, crazed fans, run to the local Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they take the Colonel Sanders statue, and they throw it in the river for, uh, for Bill Lee's effigy. The statue has never been found. And they believe that their team is cursed and will never win the championship again until that Colonel Sanders statue is found. And they've had divers in the river, and they've never been able to find it. Oh, my God. So any uh, peculiar knowledge nuggets about baseball or your love of baseball you can delight us with? I don't, I don't have any <laughs> of that, that stuff. No? I don't have any of that stuff. I don't believe in curses. I just, you know... I never, I never worried about dirty socks. I never worried about dirty jocks. I just, uh, honest to goodness, I never had that superstition. Uh, to be honest with you, it was, uh, to me, it was like, hey, we're going out there. We win. We're going to give it to it. And um, I had, I had kids that, that uh, thought there was stuff like that. To be honest with you. But I, I just had to dispel them. I just said, Phew. hey, you go out there. How, you ha how do you have time to worry about something? Just go give it to them. Right out loud. It was unreal. Okay, another great baseball quote. Who was it? Was it uh, Willie Mays or Hank Aaron? One of these guys would go up to the bat. And you're, you're, um, they always say with the wooden bats, you weren't supposed to have the label uh, on the Louisville Slugger pointing towards the pitcher. Like, like apparently that was wrong it would help break the bat or something yeah at the point of impact it's label up or label down and so it was either Willie Mays or Hank Aaron one of these guys would go to the the, the plate and and the the label sometimes would be facing the pitcher like they always say not to do and somebody uh, mentioned that to uh, the player in question and he said I didn't come up here to read <laughs> Oh, that that is a good quote. I like that one, and that's but, probably true. <laughs> but the, you, uh, but the metaphors of baseball are so great because mm -hmm. baseball is great because when you're in the field, you get to work as a team, right, with a team in unison, mm -hmm. and then everybody gets their turn at bat individually. So you so it's it's one man against the world when you're mm -hmm. batting, and then it's uh, acting as a team uh, for a common cause. You know that, that's absolutely true. I think that's that's what you uh, what you find is that you you as an individual have a responsibility, and it's like uh, okay, you got a ball bearing, and if one of the balls falls out of the ball bearing, the whole thing can fall apart. So if you if you're an individual on a team, and you let that that one person lets the rest of the team down, the team could be unsuccessful. The question is how you handle it. 
I think that's that is part of it. But it's not intentional all the time either, is it? That can happen. No. But now right. I gotta tell you, um, I don't know if you've ever heard it. Uh, the joke that I did, it was kind of you know, um, as a comedian, as a creative person, you know, you don't have to be completely factual. But the joke that I did forever, uh, my dad was a Vietnam vet, you know, tough guy. So I kind of, and you were funny. You used to say really funny stuff to the team all the time. Oh, do you remember, you? for some reason, you thought this was a funny joke. You would always say, uh, have you met his girlfriend, Frida Lay? Do you remember <laughs> That's that? right, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I do. I do remember saying that a few times. Right. <laughs> To add to the tension release of the of the punchline, uh -huh. that um, uh, my dad was a Vietnam veteran, mm -hmm. and he was wounded physically, not mentally, and that's a good thing because some people that see combat are wounded in the brain. Uh -huh. I had a little league baseball coach, and he was a Vietnam veteran, and he would tell our team crazy stuff. The same man who would make an error out in the field is the same man would get his whole platoon blown up in Vietnam. I'd be like, I dropped a pop fly and killed all my buddies. <laughs> so that was the joke that I did when your wife saw me at Caroline. Oh, that, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, she must have loved but that. that was, you, but the, the thoughts of you combined with my dad made that joke possible. I thought that was great. Oh, I think it's super. I think it's super tough. Yeah, those are things that you could just relate and apply as you go through life. And, and the thing is, like like I said, you got to make it fun. You have to make it fun. And anytime you can apply that and just live it in your life, that's what it's all about. And if that's if that's what it takes to really enjoy what you're doing in life, man, you got it made. That's that's the key. Now you were talking you were talking about having a person behind you. My wife put up with me for 44 years of coaching, mm. you know? Yeah, because you devoted a lot of time. Oh. And you know, it's funny. Now that I'm married, I it totally makes sense. Like, the fathers in high school who, like, volunteered for everything. Oh, yeah. Now I get it. They, were, they wanted to get away from their wives. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> well, I had I had mama coach. Seuss was, uh, for 44 years, she knew where to find me. I mean, she would come down after dark and know where I was at. I was yeah. always at the ball field. You know, when we were at the Little League field there in Oviedo, when we were working on those fields, and you know, after practice, we'd be dragging them and stuff, or she'd know that, like, uh, my kids, when I took the program over, taught me how to coach. You know, like the Calvin Wards and the Marty Cordells and the, and the, um, and the Eisners and those kids that I first had, when I first started it, before we built the field behind, behind the high school, those were the kids that uh, would keep me after practice and have me keep hitting them fungos and fungos and fungos. And we were, it seemed like we were always there after dark. Always there. And then we'd run poles. <laughs> we'd run poles. And you were pretty good. You kept running. You were good. But it was always, uh, you know, it was half past dark plus. And it, until the mosquitoes came out, and I, and when I got about 15 bites, I said, Okay, guys, time to go home. Let's go. <laughs> and that was if my wife didn't pull up with the lights and say, "You gonna be much longer?" <laughs> come on, Howard. Let's go home. But it was. Uh, she always knew where to find me because, uh, you know, I've always spent time with kids, and it was always uh, something because you could always work a little bit harder on something. You know, 
It's like if you've got a routine, you got to work a little harder on it, you got to stay a little longer with it, and you always got to make sure that you got it down pat. You know? You're never going to get it perfect, but it's always going to be a little bit better. But if you only spend five minutes on it, it isn't going to work well. And I always believe dedication. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, oh, yeah. practice, practice. That's right? the name of the game, brother. Yeah. yeah. What do you Hall. miss uh, the most about coaching that you're not coaching? Uh, being around the joy of the kids. Being around the joy of the kids. I can go out there anytime. I just, when I got the, I have two knee replacements, so my mobility uh, became very limited. And if I couldn't give 100%, then I didn't feel I could ask my kids to do that. And I guess that's what kind of set me back. And I didn't feel that, even though I might have the knowledge of the game and might be able to help somebody with the knowledge of the game, if I couldn't guide them through it and demonstrate it and give them that type of kinesthetic feeling or demonstration visually that I would be cheating them. So that is why... I remember you teaching us how to uh, uh, spin our hips and turn into uh, where you're like throwing your wrists. Right. You did the the confluence of cocking your hips and spinning and throwing your wrists into the... Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, see, that was by applied kinesiology learning. It was physics. Going from point A to point B with power pressure. And I'll tell you how I learned that. I learned that off of a guy by the name of Andy Semenik. He was actually a whiz kid of the 50s who taught Mike Schmidt how to hit from the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. And he actually came to, <laughs> yeah. he came to one of our practices. He came to one of our practices. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, he, he, I met him down at Seminole Community when I was helping Jack Pantelius coach. And he actually came out to one of our practices and met some of the kids. And this is how, this is how you, you get better is by asking questions and learning and developing. And it's great to have that rapport because your kids can appreciate it and see it. And if you think you know everything in the game, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're always learning things. Every day you go out there, your kids teach you things, and you learn more and more and more. And when you think you know it all, you're in trouble. Because that's when you learn you don't know a thing. You know? And it's the same way in teaching. If there's a day that you don't pick something up, you're lost. You know? You don't have all the answers, but you sure need to be open to learn. That's what it's about. That's uh, the, the key to happiness in life is oh. curiosity and learning and never uh, being complacent and thinking. Absolutely. You're full like a tick on the knowledge. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I never no. was. I never paid that much attention in science class. So, can you tell me uh, anything helpful that I should be applying to my life? Yeah, watch <laughs> what you drink, watch what you eat, stop smoking. Uh, that not good for you. Yeah, stay out of secondhand smoke areas. Don't do drugs. Uh, average alcohol consumption. 
Watch, uh, don't get any STDs. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You got to live that yourself, brother. I can't, I can't live your life. But, you know, you've had, you got your own experiences. But truthfully, you know the basics of everything in life. Well, okay, what was your favorite thing about science that you enjoyed teaching to people? Teaching the body and how it, uh, how it works and functions because it's actually made me, probably given me a little bit better longevity and uh, crises that I've had in my family and uh, seeing people help other people uh, around students that I've had and um, just being able to help other people myself through their medical problems okay. a little bit. So yeah, I, I kind of I kinda like the medical field pretty strongly. And being able to take things like physics and apply them into muscle movements and then put it into the game and realize I could use that to understand what my high school coach was trying to teach. That was great. Oh, man. That was... And my wife always said, how do you see that when other people don't see it? Like, if I, I could see where a guy had a hole in the swing on the other team, or I could tell where a pitcher was going to, what he was going to throw based on his mechanical ability. And I could tell where a ball was going to go based on a swing off the bat, based on the guy's throwing of his hands and the hip rotation. And she wondered how I was able to do that so consistently. And it was like, I thought everybody could see it. Well, I tell you, to this day, I'm, I'm 47 now. You know, that's, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm getting that's up. That's a good age. I'm getting up there. Well, no, you're just, you're just a puppy. But even to this day, <laughs> when there's an opportunity to play softball or something, I am always a deadly hitter. And it's that, mm -hmm. it's that hip swivel, throwing right. the, the wrist thing that you taught me uh -huh. into it. So you're saying how that science... Applied knowledge into right. the game. It's your torque compression. <laughs> See, you love those dirty words, don't you? <laughs> torque compression. Okay, just a few more questions okay. uh, for you. Um, what is your favorite baseball team? Anyone I got a kid that plays on. I like that. Uh, what is your favorite baseball movie? Oh my gosh. I got a lot of them. Uh, for the Love of the Game was a very good one. Uh, as far as Billy Chapel being old and still being successful and pushing himself past a set limit of uh, normal accomplishment, okay? And being successful at it, of course, you need that. Uh, uh, 62, the challenge of... Uh, 61 with an asterisk. Uh huh. That one with uh, the Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle and Harris. And, and uh, oh my God, that's one of my favorite. Uh, he goes, um, Everywhere I go in this town, people go, Mickey, have a drink. Mickey, have a drink. Right. It's a hard town not to have a drink in. What's the matter? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, bring this lad in a second. How you feeling? Oh, my knees are killing me. No, it's uh, 
You had a pretty rough one last night. All that? No, I just had a little headache today, that's all. What am I supposed to do, man? Every place I go, even a hotel, say, Mick, you have a drink. Hey, Mick, have a drink. It's a tough town not to have fun in. No, I can, I can imagine. You know how it is. Yeah. Well, listen, Mick, uh, you know, serving, I got this for place in Queens. You know, it's real nice and uh, it's quiet and a uh, real nice place, good neighborhood, you know, and it, Heck, sometimes we cook for ourselves and uh, eat in, and other times we're sending out. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, well, I was just thinking maybe you'd like to come and live with us. Let me get this straight. I got a big fucking suite at the St. Moritz Hotel, and you want me to move to Queens. Yeah, that was, that was tough for him. You think about the career. Yeah. That the we always think, uh, also with Mickey Mantle, like... Uh, even though he was a Hall of Famer, what could he have done if he wasn't drinking? And I, I stopped career. drinking uh, this year. January 1st would be one year since I stopped drinking. Awesome. And I've thought about that. Like, when I was drinking heavily, yep. I was still great. But, you know, I always thought about that Mickey Mantle quote, what he could have done if he wasn't drinking. Stuff comes back to you, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's what life's about, is the adjustments His other great quote is, uh, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just think, I might, have had, I might have had part of a liver left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, so many, there's so many good ones. I mean, you look at it, and you, you have to analyze it. I mean, you think about all the past teams and how, how well they've done and everything, and then the legends... Uh, you know, they, they try to make everybody look good or bad. And, of course, the new movies, I, I, have, a, I have a problem with a new athlete. It's about oh my God, money. The, the, oh, my God, we didn't even get to talk about... Um, you know, it's amazing, like, if you look at... I, I, was in a, uh, I was in a thrift store a few years ago, and there was a baseball bloopers VHS... Thing and my mom still has a VHS player. So it was like oh. a, it was like a quarter. I was like, oh yeah. my god, I'd love to. You know, this Keep this kind old. of stuff used to crack me up. Yeah. Uh, in the early '80s when I was growing up and playing baseball, so I got it and I was watching it and I was like, the baseball players in the major leagues in the 1980s looked like normal human beings. Yeah. And then you've got these steroid, you know, Monmouth uh, robot people that are out there now because of the popularity of commercialism that's what it's about it's all about making the buck and not caring about your body and that's that's really sad and it's all about the money the loyalty went out with Kurt Flood because of free agency Kurt Flood changed uh, everything Baseball. was free agency yeah and it's sad I mean how can if somebody were to give you five million dollars for the year I wish they would could you live on that yeah oh god yeah you know how much I made in teaching? I didn't make $5 million my entire career. <laughs> my Lord Almighty. I'm sitting here going, give me $5 million for one year. I'll coach a team. Uh, I may not win a game, but <laughs> I'll, I'll retire after a year, okay? Let me have it. But the honest to goodness truth is, why, if, if you have making $5 million in a year, why do you need 10? Yeah. I, you know... Bobby Thigpen is on Philadelphia Phillies with uh, John uh, Crook, 
and those guys, and they had the long hair, right? So I call up Bobby Thickpen, and I, and I see him, and I, I say, Bobby, why is your hair so flipping long? He goes, Well, coach, I got to get along with the kid. I got to get along with the rest of the guys. I said, Well, looks, you know, it looks pretty bad. And he goes, uh, Well, coach, you got to get along with the rest of the guys. He said, I'll cut it after the season. I said, well, it looks pretty ugly. And I said, okay, but you realize what it looks like, right? And he goes, yeah, well, I'll take care of it, coach. I said, okay. That's great. You can call a former player who's now in the major leagues and tell him he looks stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't you? Friends don't like friends walk around with shit on their face, no. you know? Well, okay, I'm over, I'm at Valencia. What very few people knew was the entire Cincinnati Reds used to work out on my field before spring practice. Well, Barry Larkin, MVP, Brett Boone, you know, um, all the guys, Wally Joyner would come over there, Brett Saberhagen, Mark Quick, you know, uh, Junior Griffey, they'd all come over there, Johnny Damon, all the, all the locals around here would come out and work out at my field. And we did that as closed practice. After the after the workout, we'd all sit down in the dugout and we'd talk. Well, Barry Larkin, after he got his MVP, made his big $5 million a year, the year after he comes over and he's working out, and he pulls in with this banger music going, boom, 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 you know, coming in his SUV and he pulls up to the field and I said Barry what the H are you doing <laughs> he goes oh, what's wrong coach I said man this is a college campus you're blaring that junk out here I said you know why don't you turn it down I said you want everybody to know that you're pulling into my field making a lot of noise yeah and I said you want people like the newspaper to find out that you're here and now we're going to lose your chance of having any privacy at all. He said, oh man, I never thought of that. So he turned to talk. From that time on, it was quiet, right? But he would sit down after practice with my kids and talk with them, give them gloves, Al Morris and those guys, give my kids gloves, talk with them. He told me one of the Funniest baseball stories I've ever heard. Please, let's hear it. Well, first of all, you know, Cincinnati had an owner by the name of Marge Shot. Yeah. Who made uh, racist comments and was oh, well, kicked out of Let's baseball. put it this way. Uh, Barry and the other players said that she <coughs> was racist. Yeah. Including Red Yeah, Boone, she was old school, yeah. Al Morris and everything, right? So That's the way they, people were in this country up to a certain mm -hmm. period. I taught in an all-black school in Florida in 1969, right here in Central Florida. So, after practice, they're all sitting there, we're talking, throwing stories around, and Barry and Brett are sitting there, and they go, Coach, i got to tell you this one. One day, we're all in the locker room, pre-game, <laughs> all sitting in our skivvies, sliders on, Marshak comes in, deadpan face, about to cry. 
really, really sad. We all got quiet. She walks in. We all threw towels over our laps. She comes over and she goes, Guys, could I have your attention? So we all stopped, got quiet. She goes, Guys, I just I just want to tell you, Shotzi passed away today. <laughs> she, Shotzi, of course, her dog. Her dog. It was a little uh, shit Susu or whatever. Oh, I thought she had like a St. Bernard, didn't she? No, no, no. It was a little little squatty white <laughs> squatty white poodle or something. And she says, Shotzi passed away today. And I'd like you guys to win this game for him. <laughs> so Barry, Barry and Brett are both sitting there going, and and we waited till she walked out and got at least halfway down the hall before we all busted out laughing like hell. <laughs> we just couldn't believe she would come in and ask us to win it for the dog. Oh my God, she was terrible. He said she tried to trade. Barry said she tried to trade me at least ten to fifteen times. Yeah, but, she was a ruthless, tough owner. Oh, she said. And, uh, he said when I won the MVP, ain't no way she could trade me. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, who was the greatest baseball player ever to come from the Orlando area? Would you say Johnny Damon? I mean, who accomplished the most? Wow, accomplished the most. Johnny Damon went to Doctor Phillips High School, won well, the World Series for the Red Sox. Well, Jason Veritek did a pretty good Veritek job. Veritek was from Melbourne, right? No. And Veritek was on the same team he with was Johnny. He from Lake Bradley. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. I always say, tell really rabid Red Sox fans that it was Floridians who won that World Series. Yes. It was, it John, was. Johnny Damon, Veritek, Veritek. and then uh, I think there was two there's, other guys. There's from, a guy, uh, knuckleballer from Lakeland, by the name of Tim um, Wakefield. It wasn't too bad. He Tim Wakefield from games. Lakeland? Yeah. Oh, my God. He went to Valencia, by the way. You know that. Well, I he was know. an outfielder that they changed the pitcher. Wow. Because he stunk at outfield. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty good. Uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty good. There was a few guys around here that were pretty decent. Um, Reigns didn't have a bad career Yeah. out of Sanford. Played in Montreal all those years. Yeah, he, he was there. But he, he wanted uh, sports had, writers to call him Rock. He kept, well, his son is that now, mm. but I think he's he's down, he's dropped down minors. One thing about um, uh, professional sports is uh, you never give your own nickname to yourself. Uh-uh. You should let other people give you the People tag it. People <laughs> tag it. He came out and announced that he would like to be referred to as Rock. Remember uh, that? Maybe between the ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like that, that's for sure. You know that's for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's a tough life, too. That's a very tough life to make it. But, uh, yeah, Damon had a very successful career. Uh, and the thing was, he was a great guy. Super person. Really? Yeah. Great. Johnny was a good, good kid. Uh, you have trans, trans, uh, transported kids that came in this area. You know, Larkin lives in this area now. Um, Riffy does, of course. And you got a lot of people that are that way. But I'd say Damon as a local and Veritech as a local, those two were probably the more modern successes. Um, 
you know, we had three at Oviedo that should have had a shot, except for injuries. Reichley and uh, Merchant and Green. Jeff Green and Jeff and Green guys. was great. Reichley was great. So, um, where did Jeff Green go on to? He was at the White Sox for a while. Okay, and then so it was Reichley went with the Cubs. No, he went with San Diego Padres. Oh, okay. He was with the Padres. Nice work. Uh, Bruce Crabb uh, from West Orange was with the Cubs for a while. He was with me. Darrell Sutchins was with the Reds. He was with me for a while. Um, there's, there's a lot of kids that went out from the local Central Florida area that were uh, that played quite a bit around here. But um, I think I probably had kids that played for me over 70 kids signed professional. Well, wow. it's been blessed career. You were a great coach, great teacher. Uh, you're still a great human being. Thank you so much for making time for me and coming all the way over here from Ocoee. What was that? Uh, you had to take an ox cart to the main road before you took a bus to downtown. And I was I was actually quite a trip, uh, isn't it? I was looking for the one traffic light, but I found three. <laughs> I got I got lost on the way over here. It was kind of tough, brother. But I would do anything for you. I, I, super person. I, 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 to me, you will always be coach. You are my quintessential uh, coach in life, you know? To me, you'll be the number one lap taker I've ever had. I'm going to take a lap right when we finish this, just for uh, <laughs> old time's sake. In closing, is there any words of wisdom or advice you'd like to give to the people of the earth? Well, have a blessed life, and always remember, enjoy what you do what it's about. Beautiful. Coach Mamie, long may you run, brother. Thank you, Tom. Long may you run. Same to you.